This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hi, welcome to the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Learning Exchange, a podcast dedicated to showcasing some of the innovative research and practice taking place across our region. I'm Dr. Chloe Benson from Federation University Australia, and over the coming months, I will be sitting down with a series of practitioners, researchers, and members of our community who are working to improve the well-being of Gippsland's children and youth. Through these conversations, we hope to shine a light on some of the challenges, but also the many innovations, opportunities, and exciting projects that are going on in our communities. By sharing these stories, we aim to spark dialogue, to foster connections and networks, and ultimately, to contribute to improved outcomes across the inner Gippsland children and youth sector. In this episode, I chat to Mary Randall, one of the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership PhD candidates, about her research into the factors that influence engagement with voluntary family services. As discussed in episode two, the higher degree by research program that Mary's work has emerged from was initiated by Federation University and the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership in 2015. This program was designed to help address the issues facing young people and their families in the Inner Gippsland region, which includes the four local government areas of Borbor, Bass Coast, Latrobe City and South Gippsland. Mary's PhD research examines why we often see poor levels of engagement with voluntary family services and helps to shed light on how barriers to engagement can be overcome enabling better access and service experience for families. As we discuss in our chat, Mary's work is significant because we know that increased engagement levels with these types of services can lead to improved long-term outcomes for young people and their families. I sat down with Mary to find out more about the types of factors that impact engagement, and disengagement with family services, and how we can harness these insights to improve outcomes for families. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chloe. Uh, It's great to have you here today. Um, I'm really excited to hear about your research, but before we get into that, I wonder whether you could start by telling us a little bit about uh, your background and experience in this sector to kind of give us some context as to what led you to taking on this PhD project. Mm -hmm. My background was as a psychologist and I worked in a variety of settings as a psychologist in disability, youth mental health and early childhood intervention. So I wasn't directly working in the welfare sector, um, although I had um, worked closely before with practitioners and families and even with child protection and family services. And I'd referred people to those services, but I'd not been in the sector. So it was a bit of a, a leap to start in a new sector. I'd had a child with a disability I have a child with a disability and that also meant that I'd experienced working with family services for my son so I understood 
the parents' perspective. I'd coordinated the Gippsland Autism Support Group for a few years and was project manager of a book for of family stories. And I'd also taught RVCE. So what led me to taking on the project was finding out about it through Rowena Can at the Department of Education. And she said, I think this might be interesting for you. And I looked at it and said, yes, definitely. Yeah. The topic's um, something to do with families and looking at family as services for families. Yeah, wonderful. So you've sort of been circling around this space, I suppose, in different ways and, and obviously are bringing kind of a, a range of important perspectives, particularly in terms of being able to re- relate to kind of using these services. Yes. Um, which is great. So as you mentioned, your research seeks insights into why families who are experiencing vulnerability engage or don't engage with family services in inner Gippsland. To help set the scene for our listeners a bit, what types of vulnerabilities and family services have you been looking at in particular? The main family services that I've worked with are voluntary family services, and it's been especially child first, uh, which is child and family information referral and support team. It's now evolved into the orange door, um, but it was child first when I was doing my study. And and also an alliance of non-government agencies, including Anglicare, Uniting, Very Street, Quantum, etc. And those services actually set the topic mm-hmm. and they, they had a little workshop, got together, decided this is what we want to find out. We want to find out about engagement. So they then they advertised the PhD topic as about engagement. And I said, okay, this is great. And... Um, I'm happy to interview fa- uh, parents about what their views are and that was what they wanted. So they also funded the scholarship that I was given. I mean, clearly the work that you're doing then is a direct response to needs on the ground. So these organisations are saying, look, this is a problem that we're having or something we want to know more about uh, and your work is addressing that. Um, and, and I guess in particular, you know, looking at how to improve engagement with these services. Mm. And that was part of the partnership the, in, the, in the Gippsland Child, Children and Youth Area Partnership. So trying to change that gap between what's happening out here at the university and what's happening on the on the ground yes. and I'd always been really passionate about that that, that the gap's too wide yep. we need to bring people together so that we can you know look at data look at theories look at us research studies yep. and have them used and put into to practice yeah so using that evidence to drive change but also kind of using what's going on to drive what type of evidence we look for, you know, what type of research we exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so as you've said, then clearly this was something these agencies were interested in knowing more about. Are you able to explain to us why getting families to better engage with these services is so important? Or, or put another way, you know, why was this research needed? Well, the research is needed um, as engagement is about ensuring that services are available and useful to those who need them most. So no good having a service if nobody comes. (laughs) Yeah. It's also about understanding what the enablers and the barriers to engagement are by talking with the people who use the service or who might use the service Mm. and decided not to take it up so that um, the factors preventing use, such as system design or 
practice can be improved. Also, there might be important reasons which uh, policy makers might not understand um, from the perspective of potential service users, which can be discovered and explained. So it's really, it's like doing that product analysis yeah. and, and looking at who are you designing these services for and getting then feedback about is this is this hitting the mark or not and how can we do this better? So if if the issue wasn't addressed of engagement, it could be a concern because people not getting the help that they may deserve or need and um, people experiencing vulnerability um, find the issues might snowball and then they'll end up having more long-term consequences for the kids Mm -hmm. in the family in terms of maybe safety or maybe trauma um, or you know even even that their future is impacted for those children somehow so it is really important that people have access to resources especially for their children but they need to be in a way that people want and value mm. because values are really essential to this project what is it that people value in terms of the help that they want and who are we directing this at? Is it only at a certain um, proportion of the population? And these services are often set up to be what we call targeted services so that they're working towards helping people who are more vulnerable. But there is a lot of questions in the policy about should we be doing that or should we be making help more available through universal means like through childcare centres and um, maternal child health nurses, etc. And, and then perhaps giving, uh, skilling those people up to assist them to help whatever needs the family has. So you've mentioned engagement a few times. One of the things I just wanted to kind of clarify, when, when we're talking about engagement, were you looking at varying degrees of engagement? So is this just about kind of initial contact or people staying engaged and involved with these services? What's really interesting about engagement is that people look at it from different angles and in different ways. And part of my research is having a look at what people mean by engagement, what do parents mean by engagement, what do practitioners mean by engagement, what do policymakers mean by it. And um, you've just given some examples of is it just that initial contact or is it an ongoing contact? And some people define it one way and some people define it another. And I've resisted the urge to just jump in and say, well, I'm only going to define it in one particular way because I'd prefer to know how other people see it when in the context of getting the practice and the services operating. Mainly, there is an element of in order to engage, there has to be that initial contact happening. Um, But the other aspect of um, engagement that is quite interesting is that level of um, involvement in a relationship that um, a worker or practitioner might have with uh, a parent and uh, seeing how that influences what happens in terms of the number of uh, hours that you end up 
having those consultations or the, the length of time that particular practitioner is involved with the family. And it's also the elements involved in engagement, which I've discovered from the results, are trust and trusting not only that worker, but looking at the services that are being offered and also the system. A lot of the people that I talked with had some quite a, a strong distrust of the child protection government services because they'd experienced that and they, they um, were worried about um, having to revisit that. And there is some connections between the voluntary family services and the government child protection system. Quite often um, that has become one of the the things that makes people very nervous about um, being involved with family services. Yeah, so I guess we can sort of talk about meaningful engagement and and that uh, relationship building as part of that, I guess, and, and trust being really key there, as you noted. Now, your project is part of the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership Initiative, and I know that the research in that space is very place-based. So obviously, as you said, you're looking at the Gippsland region specifically, but I wonder, do you think that the issues you've been looking at are specific to Gippsland or to regional areas? Or I guess, put differently, do you think that there are unique barriers to engagement in our region that we might not see elsewhere? I think the answer's both. The engagement is an issue not just specific to Gippsland and these services are set up statewide so most of the agencies are statewide agencies and reasons for not engaging or disengaging after referral may vary from regional to urban environments and may vary according to the culture the language the size of the family whatever supports they've got and their own past experience their own personality so every family is individual and so it's going to vary. But I think um, it's important to have a look at it, the rural setting, this particular area, just to see what are different about that and the rural. I haven't, my, my study doesn't do a comparison, but it just locates it within a rural setting. And it's great to do research in the country. As Mary explained, Her PhD project emerged from Federation University and the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnerships Higher Degree by Research Program. This program places an emphasis on place-based research that centres the needs of the Inner Gippsland region. Partnering with industry is also a defining feature of this research. I asked Mary about her work with industry and how this shaped her project. So it meant that I had supervisors not only from the university but also from the agencies as well and I was also on placement at Anglicare and Uniting and so that helped to familiarise myself with the services and the ways of working and I spent time with practitioners but mainly I, I started to understand their views more when I interviewed them formally. So I was able to interview formally the parents and practitioners um, after having applied for ethics clearance through the university and through the agencies. How it worked was that the first year of the three-year project was designing the research and presenting it at confirmation to a panel of university lecturers to ensure that they thought it was viable and clearing it with ethics. This allowed me to interview parents and practitioners. Um, The parents that were interviewed were people who'd been referred to Child First Services. Some had taken up the service and some had not. So someone from Child First rang a sample of 
people who'd been involved with a referral and said, uh, would you be willing to participate in this research? And if they said yes, then it was over to me to talk to them. I also got some data on the services throughout Inner Gippsland through IRIS, which is the Integrated Reports Information System. And that way I could have a look at what was happening over a broad range of services, not just the people that I interviewed. So the main research questions that I addressed were what key factors influence parental engagement with family services in in the Gippsland and I wanted to look at how the practitioners and the parents um, viewed that notion of engagement. I wanted to look at how the source of the referral impacted on engagement. So Chalpice was getting a lot of referrals from police, child protection, schools, self-referrals, people would come to the office and, or ring and say, can you give me a hand? And even hospitals, uh, staff. So I wanted to see was what was the impact on engagement of that referral source. And what were the barriers to engagement and what helped engagement? My aim was to understand perceptions of engagement and barriers and that especially that experience of the parents who were referred to the service. I just wanted to get their perspective on the the process. And I also needed to understand the policy and the systems and (laughs) everything as well. A lot of the previous research has been done about what was the outcome of using the service, but you can't even get to that stage if you don't um, engage with the service in the first place. I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously they go hand in hand, but that you've been looking at, you know, what aids engagement as well as what the barriers are. I think that's interesting. And I'm also quite interested in the fact that you have looked at varying perspectives. So you've looked at the perspectives of workers as well as, or practitioners as as well as parents. I think Mm -hmm. that's sort of one of the interesting aspects aspects of this project. Did you find that there was much consistency in those different perceptions or perspectives or were there kind of key differences? A lot of the frontline practitioners were aware of the parents' perspective, especially once they'd been working in the field a bit. But what was interesting is they they were kind of balancing dealing with it in a way that was suitable to the parents with the organisational demands on them. And so it was a bit of a balancing act for them sometimes because there might be time frame that put on them in terms of you have to have this done by this time frame etc. What parents said is that they wanted respect and not to be judged and they wanted to be able to trust the service and the practitioner and I think most practitioners were aware that parents were concerned about the issue of trusting the service especially when they had that had experiences with child protection uh, or domestic violence as well they wanted practitioners to be friendly and help with circumstances in the children and give clear explanations and they wanted the service to be timely and to be ongoing they didn't want to keep having to tell their story to different people over time or just to get a little bit of help that maybe didn't address the full cause of the issue um, practitioners well they the other thing practitioners had to deal with was, apart from the organisational timelines, was the demands for assessment and, and liaison. The assessment mainly of the children's safety in the family. And so, so sometimes that process offset the engagement um, strategies, really, that 
they could use. And the parents saying that they didn't want to be judged is a big thing because here the practitioners are being asked to assess their yeah. their child's safety. So it's a it's a there's a bit of a contradiction there. Yeah, so some real balancing acts to master for the practitioners, I suppose, dealing with those sort of competing priorities and demands on them. You mentioned trust again, which came up earlier. Clearly that's emerged as one of the important sort of findings or ideas from your research. What other findings have you sort of observed so far? I've found that successful parental engagement was where the service met the needs of the families and where... There, the service is seen as non-threatening, much more supportive, and uh, they relate well to the issues of concern. The practitioners show experience and knowledge of that domain so that it can be quite reassuring for parents that they're not the only one going through this process. What I found as barriers to engagement included often the fact that people were going through a real crisis, things had really built up and concerns were quite complex as well. So it might not just be one aspect of the family it, it might have real there might be a number of people in the family having difficulties or, or one person having several difficulties the connection with uh, child protection was a barrier because for some parents they said that perhaps the practitioner had come out with someone from child protection and so they felt like it wasn't really so voluntary as what they had expected it to be and that can be a concern yeah because these services are designed as voluntary services there's there was a bit of confusion about services and how they worked and what they could offer and some parents said I just wish they could explain it more clearly. The good thing about these services is that they're called wraparound services, so they're designed to meet the needs of the family. But if their family aren't quite sure what they might be able to ask for, then it gets complicated. Sometimes um, another issue for parents was that staff were short-term or they were inexperienced in life or that the staff seemed to be being judgmental about how clean was their house or how did they parent their kids or didn't offer choices. Maybe they felt that they were under surveillance, big brothers watching. <laughs> so it's um, a concern. And another thing for parents, is for some parents, was they didn't want to lose control of what's happening in their own lives. So they didn't want someone else to be involved. So that fear was a big factor. Uh, as a barrier with the when I looked at uh, what referral source was really positive in terms of a longer term engagement usually the referrals from the childcare preschool early intervention ended up in more longer engagement with the system whereas those from say for instance police attending a uh, domestic violence in the house they often didn't end up going to case management and having a longer service it was often sort of a one-off phone call that's it it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of those uh, findings that you're talking about they just make sense don't they they're, they're quite basic things we all want to be respected and understood and, and we want to be able to trust the people that we're working with based on on the findings so far what kind of things would you like to see 
implemented, I guess? Or can you see ways that perhaps we could kind of build on these findings to, to pursue change? Mm. I've just been recently looking at the policies and there's lots of good ideas in the policies about how we need the family services to be working in the prevention and early intervention space um, so that people don't end up in total crisis and yeah, things getting out of hand. You might have heard on the news recently that the child protection is just totally overwhelmed with the number of reports that come in. And in fact, on the news last night, they said, oh, they weren't able to deal with all the phone calls that were coming in. Um, and so the, the new model that's being proposed with policy is that there be more of a, a move towards going straight to family services especially when problems are at a lower level or maybe even uh, helping people more when they, you know, they might be a new parent or they might be having just some concerns and working that through with their child health nurse or whatever. So I guess the, the question is, how do you put that into practice given the way the organisation's structured at the moment, because at the moment there's a, there's legislation and there's things that tie the, the two, the area of child protection with the family services together. Yeah, so it's about thinking how can we design the services and fund them in a way that is going to make a difference in terms of when people get that support and people being willing to ask for support and trust that they'll get what they're asking for mm. rather than getting something else. At the moment, the media message is often a bit condemning of mm. parents who are struggling with problems with their children and, you know, get can we get community members to report them, etc. But really what we need to do is to bolster the, the assistance that we that we give families mm -hmm. and that can happen in many many ways you know just even through the way the workplace operates with people with families etc. All right well I want to take a step back uh, from the research a little bit now just to kind of reflect on on your experience uh, of the PhD journey. I sort of mentioned in a previous episode often we kind of focus on um, how hard it is to do a PhD and all the, the stress that can go along with it but it is something that can have a lot of positive you know exciting opportunities for someone going on that journey. Have there been any major highlights or surprises for you whilst undertaking this research? Really a major highlight of the process was meeting the parents who so generously volunteer their time in order to assist others and to give feedback and just to help me with my studies. I also appreciated those practitioner insights and their flexibility and their efforts and desires to make every effort to help families. It took me a year to get the trust of the Department of Health and Human Services to get them to release the data uh, that I needed. So that was a highlight when that came in. I was able to get support analysing it from a trainee statistician. Thank you, Kerry. <laughs> Getting through confirmation was a good reassurance that I was on my way getting ethical clearance. And um, I also enjoyed studying the policies and all the reading. I've, I've got about 600 references that I've collected. <laughs> I've um, presented posters at conferences and given a webinar and some short presentations. and 
the major highlight will be submitting the thesis <laughs> and then presenting at the conference uh, of the Australian Institute of Family Studies next year. And another thing that came with doing this was teaching um, students of human services and also having that ongoing liaison with my supervision panel because they've I feel like someone's behind me and, and helping me and it's lovely to meet up also with the other students who are studying the same thing. Wonderful. Um, it sounds like you've sort of genuinely enjoyed um, undertaking the research and, and learning more about the, the work that you've been looking at. And it's also exciting to hear that you've been, you know, getting out there and, and sharing your work, you know, some different conference presentations and things like that. That's really wonderful. Are there any key takeaways from your experience with this project that you think are relevant to other researchers and practitioners working across the children and youth sector more broadly? So obviously there's the takeaways of the specific research but you know any kind of lessons or or broader things that you think might be relevant to others? I think I mentioned at the start about the importance of getting researchers and practitioners and managers to work all work together and be on the same page because there's a lot of discussion now about having work being evidence-based and it's really good that nowadays you can do it in different ways you don't just only use numbers you can use qualitative data as well which means interviewing people and asking for answers and the I guess the other thing that surprised me was the amount of family violence too and on on the broader scale that really needs to be addressed one of the, the other things that I noted through my study was that there was quite a number of people, uh, women who had had to relocate and basically try and set up totally new supports because of the dangers that they'd been facing through family violence, which was a really tough gig for them. And um, I really, I think we need to really think through and improve that system. I know the Orange Doors working in that space, but it's really difficult if you if you're just cut loose from all your current supports. The Orange Door is a free and inclusive service for people who are or have experienced family violence. Its establishment has been led by Family Safety Victoria as part of the Victorian government's response to the Royal Commission into Family Violence. The service is currently open in five areas, Inner Gippsland, as Mary mentioned, as well as Barwon, Bayside Peninsula, Mallee and North Eastern Melbourne. To learn more about this initiative, you can visit orangedoor.vic.gov.au. Yeah, I think that those are all all really great takeaways um, for other people working in the space. And I think it highlights the way a lot of these sort of issues are intersecting, aren't they? And then they kind of overlap and are are informing one another. And obviously that's not a good thing, but recognising that enables us to start thinking about, well, how do we address these issues sort of on a larger scale and and improve things? So you're due to finish up this research and, and submit, as you mentioned before, which will be the number one highlight kind of at some point next year. Have you thought about what's next? Well, after that, I'll be writing up 
the results for a journal article okay, so, that, so that it won't only be local people who will have access, it will be people throughout the world basically yeah. can find out about this research that we did here in Gippsland and the practitioners and the parents' contribution. I'll, I also will present at conferences and um, see what I can do to influence the policy and the big system because it change doesn't only have to happen here in Gippsland, it, it needs to change throughout our Australian system. And ongoing, I'll, I want to support people more that like live in my community in my street um, because now that I'm aware of some of the issues that they're facing, I feel I can be more supportive to them. And I'd like to do some more research and teaching and definitely a bit more relaxing with the family and get the head out of the books. (laughs) Excellent. I was going to say, you know, I hope also there's some celebrating involved and just, you know, going away and laying on the beach for a while or something and and enjoying some relaxation time. Thank you for joining us today, Mary, and and sharing all these fascinating insights from your research. You're welcome, Chloe, and uh, thanks for asking.